Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. It is happening on our doorstep. As incredible as it may seem, across the water in the USA, a woman has been decapitated. This is the stuff that we read about or that the television news talks about that's happening across the world so far away in other lands, thousands of miles from here in the usually safe and stable Western Hemisphere. It's really scary. It would appear that the philosophy, the belief structures and the mindset that exists in other foreign cultures have begun to infiltrate in this part of the world. We certainly have our share of heinous crimes. There are bad people who perpetrate unbelievable crimes in our sphere of being. But this is a whole new level of horror and callousness. Couple this with the news that we have been hearing of radicals in the area of Iraq and Syria and Iran, and they've been applying Muslim Sharia law in very fundamental manner. They force locals to either confess to be Muslim or they're crucified, killed. Children of these so-called infidels are beheaded, slaughtered mercilessly, or because they're not Muslim of the correct persuasion. Now this philosophy, these beliefs are becoming reality in our world. The man who just beheaded one of these women he worked with in Oklahoma not so long ago seems to have been convinced that this was his obligation to kill an infidel. This isn't a cheap murder novel or B-rated movie. It's beginning to happen in the real world. Real people are being targeted, and we are not ready to deal with this new terrible reality as we approach the end of the age. Unfortunately, the Obama administration in the U.S. seems to be unwilling to acknowledge that this kind of terror has begun to happen in this USA. They seem to want to call it workplace violence instead of recognizing it for what it is. This will only delay the ability of law enforcement to prepare to deal with this new wave of unexpected terror. They'll not be ready to understand and how to watch for and deal with these new and unusual crimes of violence. Unfamiliar and even unknown signals of intent, mindset that originate in a world that is unknown and unfamiliar bring a new and unique need to understand and to prepare for such aggression. How long will it take to become better positioned to be able to deal with these new crimes as an unknown quantity? How long before we see the same kind of thing beginning to happen here in our Bahamas, also an unknown quantity? It will come. I only hope that law enforcement here will be able to respond appropriately and importantly to recognize it for what it is, from whence it originates, unlike the USA today. As I ponder these realities and watch the changes taking place in the world, I'm aware that these things have been told before. The Bible speaks in several places about the conditions in the world just before Jesus returns. All of these things must happen. All we can do is trust a loving God and keep our eyes on the eastern sky, which will one day split open with the arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Will you be ready?
was a holy hush all over as I walked into the room. As I stood before him face to face, I was gloriously made new. There was a great and awesome presence and a light as bright as day. As I bowed to kneel with the angels, I heard the Spirit say, All rise, all rise, to stand before the throne in the presence of the Holy One. All rise, all rise, as you worship the Then I looked at those all around me with their hands uplifted high, and the Spirit laid His hand on me, and I uplifted mine. We were singing hallelujahs. Praises to his name And as I bowed to kneel with the angels I heard the Spirit say All rise, all rise Stand before the throne In the presence of the Holy One All rise, all rise Worship the Messiah, singing holy, 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 worthy, worthy is the Lamb, who was and is and is to come, he is the great I am, all rise, all rise, to stand before the throne. In the presence of the Holy One, all rise, all rise, as we worship the Messiah.
now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we continue with our series on the Beatitudes, which I have called Jesus' Profile of a True Believer. We'll be looking at the third Beatitude, which is found in verse 5 of Matthew 5. It's a fantastic portion of the Word of God. It reads as follows, quote, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, as you've seen in the former two messages, to be blessed of God means to be approved of God, so that one experiences an inner state or condition of tranquility and peaceful contentment regardless of outward circumstances. This is not mere happiness. It goes beyond that. Blessedness transcends happenings and rests on one's relationship with God. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom, described the prerequisite for entering into eternal life, an attitude of spiritual brokenness and contrition because of the awareness and acknowledgement of one's spiritual bankruptcy before God. The second beatitude describes the necessary result of this brokenness, a state or attitude of mourning, because, as we mentioned in our introduction to the series, these traits build upon and flows out of one another. They do not exist in isolation to the others. They make up one coherent profile of a true disciple, a true believer of Jesus Christ, as envisioned by Jesus himself. The third beatitude, which we will discuss today, describes the result of this attitude, and that is meekness. Because, as I have just stated, these traits build upon and flows from one another. They do not exist in isolation. They make up, I say once again, and I need to emphasize it, one coherent profile of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. A state of inner tranquility, Jesus says, is the blessed experience of those who, because of a broken and contrite spirit, are led to cry out for mercy to God, and as a result, establish a relationship with God that causes him or her to manifest a Christ-like trait or characteristic of meekness. But now, what is meekness? Many confuse meekness with weakness, but they are not the same. Jesus says that this is far from truth. Meekness does not equal or mean weakness. So let's see if we can begin to get at the true meaning of this trait, which gets God's seal of approval with an illustration. It has to do with Dr. McCarthy. He was an outstanding preacher of his day. Thousands came to hear him preach. Many were saved and blessed under his ministry. One evening... After delivering a powerful message on pride, a lady came up to him afterwards in tears. She said to him, Dr. McCarthy, I want you to know that your message truly spoke to me tonight, and I want to confess to you a real act of pride in my life. Before coming to the service tonight, she said, I took an entire hour just looking at myself in the mirror, admiring my beauty, taking care that my makeup was put on just right to be sure that my beauty was highlighted. This was a real act of pride on my part, and I want you to know that your message really convicted me concerning this aspect of my life. 
Dr. McCarthy took a long, careful look at the lady, and then he said to her as lovingly as he could, Madam, that was not pride. That was pure imagination. That might be funny or hilarious, but nonetheless it speaks to this matter of pride and what we think of ourselves. I say again, meekness is not weakness. That's misinformation and misunderstanding. The Greek word that used in this text was originally used to describe different virtues or characteristics. For instance, the Greek philosopher Aristotle used this same word to describe a person who had the ability to control his anger. It was used to describe the proper balance between one's ability to express anger and the ability to, ex to express it without going to extremes. For instance, courage was seen as a virtue because it is a balance between cowardice, which was a lack of courage, foolhardiness, which was an excessive use of courage, generosity, was seen as a balance between stinginess and wastefulness. Meekness, therefore, describes someone who had his emotions, especially anger, under control. In other words, he could be angry, but sin not. But the word was also used to describe domesticated animals, that is, animals that had been tamed and now controlled by their masters. This was seen as power under control. The word eventually came to refer to people who were well-behaved, who were well-mannered or who polite. Such a person was called a gentleman. Proverbs 16 verse 32 agrees with this. It says, and I quote, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that conquers a city. End of quote. Now, let's look at some more biblical examples of genuine meekness. And the primary one here is Moses. Numbers 12.3 says very unambiguously, quote, Now the man Moses was very meek, very humble, very gentle, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. End of quote. In other words, Moses was a real gentleman. Now, what kind of a man was Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth, according to God's own estimate? Well, first, he did not retaliate when he was personally attacked. In Numbers 12, it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, because he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us? as well, and the Lord heard it, end of quote. Notice, his personal life was criticized. Notice also, his leadership ability was challenged. But what did Moses, this meek man, do? How did he respond to this attack from his own family? Well, first, he committed himself to God, and in so doing, he showed the attitude of Christ-likeness. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.21, for instance, You have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. 
End of quote. Moses was showing the characteristics of Jesus Christ himself. As someone else has said, meekness is the ability and willingness to face the music, even though you do not like the tune. End of quote. But Moses also prayed for those who opposed him. God inflicted Miriam with leprosy for her attack against her brother Moses, which who was, of course, the servant of God. But the text tells us that he prayed to God to heal his sister. He was willing to forgive. Moses was also a man who did not have an inflated view of himself. When God called him to go and deliver his people from Egypt, he refused and objected on the basis that he was unfit for the job. He was not worthy. But based on the biblical data on the life of Moses, whom God himself described as the meekest man on earth, we can conclude meekness is definitely not a lack of courage, nor is it a spirit of timidity or one that is readily intimidated. Moses, for instance, was willing to stand boldly before the mightiest king alive at the time and demand on behalf of God, let my people go or else. My friends, that took a lot of courage. So meekness is clearly not a lack of courage. It is definitely not weakness. But rather, meekness is the ability to control one's strength, one's power, and one's authority over others because of a proper view of oneself before God. It describes a person who refuses to retaliate for personal gain, but who is willing to lose all for the sake of Christ if need be. My friends, that's meekness, personal power under the control of the Spirit of God. Now, other New Testament characteristics of a meek person include, first, a willingness to accept what God says about him. Listen to the word of God through James in James 1, verse 21. Quote, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in meekness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. My friends, a truly meek person is open to receiving the word of God for what it is. Second, a meek person is also one who demonstrates patience toward those who oppose him. Paul states this in Second Timothy 2, verse 24. Notice what he says, quote, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness. That's the Greek word here used for meekness. So we could say with meekness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. End of quote. So, meekness means doing nothing to destroy the unity of the body. That's in Ephesians 4. Meekness means exhibiting the proper attitude in seeking to restore a brother or sister in Christ who has sinned. That's Galatians 6, verse 1. Meekness means it refers to a person who's actively engaged in sharing the faith. Peter tells that in 1 Peter 3, 15. 
And of course, meekness is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5. My friends, that's the biblical concept of meekness. And Jesus promises a state of spiritual tranquility for those who exhibit this trait. But now he gives the basis for this promised blessing. He says, For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, the meek are blessed, not because they are meek, but because they shall inherit the earth. And so I remind you once again, the blessings promised in the Beatitudes are not based on what the believer does or even is, but rather on what God does for them. The blessing comes because of God's grace, not man's work. The literal translation reads like this from the original language. They shall possess the world. That, of course, will mean that they will fulfill the mandate of Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, where God says, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. According to Jesus Christ, this is the true basis for man's dominion over the earth. Meekness, not might. Meekness, not arrogance. Now this concept of meekness has both a present and future aspect. First, as to the future, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.2, he makes a statement by asking a rhetorical question. In other words, a question that has the answer contained in it. He says, quote, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? He is assuming that we as believers would in fact judge the world. Believers as the bride and co-regent of Jesus Christ will rule over the world. We will inherit the world. Second, as to the present, that's the future, but as to the present, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, All things are ours, the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are ours, and we are Christ, and Christ is God's. End of quote. The meek will inherit or possess this earth, this world, meaning that they will have dominion over it, both now and in the future. Because of this, Jesus says they are blessed. I believe, really, that Paul sums up the first three Beatitudes with beautiful conciseness in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Please listen to these blessed, arresting words. Quote, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. End of quote. That, my friend, it's a profile of a genuine believer in Christ, even according to the Beatitudes. Jesus himself says so. Now, I'll ask you a question as we close. Will you share in this blessedness of this dominion over the earth by the manifestation of the Spirit an attitude of meekness? Jesus desires that both you and I do so by placing faith in him. I ask you, will you do so right now? I thank God that I have already done it. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things.
You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the saints and our toiling will be Happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every listening moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again